Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen, and so are you! again, my beautiful screamers, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets bent. This is episode 142, and this time we're doing something a little different. Now, first of all, I'm very sorry that I've disappeared. This is not the first time that I've had an anniversary show and then just vanished off the face of the planet without any warning. And for that, I do apologize. There's been a lot going on, and a lot of it has not been great. I've been having health problems. And, you know, I've been complaining about being tired and having headaches all the time. And I thought it was my allergies all this time. But I've been to a doctor and an allergist and now an ENT. And they say there's nothing wrong with my sinuses or the whole nasal area that it's something else. So I'm supposed to go see a neurologist. And, well, we're just taking it day by day. But as a result, sitting in front of the computer... Editing on Audacity is something that makes my brain bleed. So doing the show has been difficult, even thinking about it. But here I am. So what I've decided to do, I'm taking a cue from the We Hate Movies podcast. Because during the summer, they take time off. They just say, we're going on break. And they have reruns, so to speak. You know, they take their favorite part of a favorite episode and just you know, from way back when, and just let's revisit it. And that's what I'm going to be doing until I'm back on my feet in some kind of functional way. I want to do this. I want to introduce Patrick's Bottom of the Barrel Classics, where I go back and I replay for you some of those reviews of movies that I hated so much that I lost my shit. Because I know you love them. And some of these old ones, maybe you didn't get to because it's been a while. And it'll be interesting to hear how the show changes. Well, I don't know. The other thing I wanted to talk about was that we had a death in the Scream Queens family. Yes, uh, a listener of the show and a personal friend um, and a neighbor, Nix Toro, Nixida Toro, passed away, I guess it's 10 days ago now. She went to bed one night after having a bottle of wine with her uh, boyfriend, Scott. And never woke up. And that's been really sad. And it's been making it hard to work. And some of my guests that I had lined up to speak about certain things, like I had Joe Borelli coming on to talk about the Babadook. He was friends with her too. And it's been hard to reconnoiter after that. So my apologies. It's coming. Dandy Darkly's coming back from Scotland soon. So picture Mommy Dead is coming. Now I want everyone to please pardon the background noise in this section because Bradford's doing the dishes. But what I wanted to tell you about is that even though the podcast has not been happening as the way I would like it to, the blog is taking off. I've been doing a lot of blog posts on a lot of movies lately, stuff that wouldn't really take up a good segment on the show, but I think are good or maybe really bad. You'll have to read to find out. So please head on over to the blog, read my reviews on time-lapse Big recommend there. Amnesiac, Sisterhood of the Night, Jersey Straw Massacre, Alleluia, Creep, all kinds of stuff. And of course, now you can help support the show. Because at the bottom of all these blog reviews and podcast reviews in the future, there will be a special link 
to take you to the special page on Amazon so you can watch it there. And by watching it there, the few pennies that you spend will come to help the show. I get a little teeny tiny, teeny tiny percentage. So that's a really easy way for you to help out the podcast by spending you know, giving us a few pennies you were spending anyway. So, you know what I mean? Never mind. Anyway, go check that out. Also, there is a homework assignment. Now, if you follow me on Facebook or on Twitter, I gave this a while ago. And I keep forgetting to bring it up on the show, but it's time. There is a movie that you simply have to watch. It is on Netflix, streaming for free. It is not a horror movie, but it's very possibly the most important movie you will ever see. Because... It is filled with quotable quotes for all occasions. And I'm going to start referencing them constantly on the show. And you can either get left behind or hop on the bandwagon. And the movie is called First Period. Let's listen to the trailer. Hi, Cassie Glenn, Tilly Rockin' Superstar Extraordinaire. You're welcome. Sleep over at my place. What? Is there something wrong with you? Are you talking about my areolas? No. They're like silver dollar pancakes that got burned. And they kept cooking them. You're making me hungry, Maggie. We have got to get the quick And kill them? No. We have to wear the totally coolest clothes ever. We have to date totally hot, super hunky guys. Hey, ladies. Sorry I didn't see you coming. <sighs> but I'd like to. No. I did a Jaeger bomb with my mom downstairs. It's crazy. We made out. No! Ah, ah. So drunk. You need to become a teen witch. Teen bitch. Your vagina. That's that. That is. That's the center. Yeah, of the problem. I was gonna let you park in my garage. Maybe even visit the carport around back. I don't know how sex works. I see you shaved your cat. Oh, I don't have a cat. Thank God for my first period. He's the one at my heart. He's the one in my bed. I hope and pray that I'm not late for mine. Oh. oh call me mom. Oh, I don't know about that. Do it! Ah, mom! First period. Now, aside from the two guys and the leads that are playing Cassie and the other one whose name I forget, sorry, Cassie, you're welcome, but Cassandra Peterson's in it, you know, Alvira, she's fantastic, she's completely berserker mom, Judy Tenute is in it, Jack Plotnick's in it, this is a great comic cast, really, really great low-budget comedy with a nice 80s vibe and a very perverse sense of humor. Now, go and watch it. Well, you can watch it right now if you want to stop the podcast because you've been listening for a while. You already heard the rest of this, right? Of course, right. It's a flashback episode. And then come back because there is going to be a quiz. And it will be oral and possibly anal. Shut up. So before I get into the review, I just want to talk about some of the things I've been watching on TV because there's a lot of good things on TV right now. First of all, the Scream series. It just ended this week. And I love that the slogan is, you'll never see it coming. Honey, Helen Keller saw it coming. I guessed that on episode three, and I guessed why. Nice try, though. Spoiler alert, never trust a podcaster. 
Well, except me. Aside from that, never trust a podcaster. But I'm going to support it. I'm happy to support it. I'm happy to support a second season because if you don't support things like this now, you might not get more of it later. So you take the good with the bad. And it wasn't awful. It had some nice moments. But anyway, Sense8 is fantastic. Now, I know a lot of people. It's on Netflix. I know a lot of people got turned off in the first couple of episodes because it was too confusing. Please stick with it. It's got its problems as well. But what a gorgeous, exciting, fun show. Okay, the whole Mr. Whispers thing was stupid and seemed added on, but I think they were shooting to not get picked up for a second season, so they wanted everything wrapped up. So everything got rushed there, but the thing is the characters don't understand what's going on or happening to them for several episodes, so that's why you don't understand what's going on, and also it has one of the hottest sex scenes I've seen. Actually, it's got a lot of hot sex. I mean, there's some beautiful people in this with no clothes on, rubbing their no-clothes bodies on other people with no clothes on on their bodies. Never mind. Is there something else I wanted to talk about? Oh, if you didn't watch The Whispers on ABC, I was very surprised. It just, again, concluded this week. And given that it was Spielberg and given it was primetime on regular television and it involved children, it had a mean streak a a mile long. I thought for a while there it was going to turn into, oh, this E.T. just wants to go home. It's not evil. It's just misunderstood. No, these bitches are evil. And they make the kids do very bad things. And then they do very bad things to the kids. And they have the balls to do that on network television. Bravo. Bravo, Whispers. You should check that out as well. Uh, I think I'm going to stop talking for now. Because as you can hear, I'm getting tired. And there's not going to be any voicemails right now. I know I still have a contest winner to announce. I know who it is. Doug has called it in. But I don't know if it's time. So anyway, we're going to flash back to December 12, 2010, episode 20, almost five years ago. One of the first times I really completely lost my mind over a terrible movie, and that movie was Red Hook. Enjoy this little trip back into time. Enjoy my rock bottom of the barrel bullshit, and I hope to be getting you a full show really soon. Daddy loves you, and Daddy misses you. And Daddy wants you to dance for his pleasure. That'll make him feel better. Oh, yeah. You are Ellen Trailer's sister, right? First time away from home. Hey, New York can be, you know, intense. Give it a few weeks, it'll love you back. And why should I trust you? There's still time to sign up for the scavenger hunt. You'll make new friends, and if you win, you'll erase your whole paranoid reputation. Did you really want to go on that scavenger hunt? Only with you. Welcome, everyone, to the 12 to 12 scavenger hunt. Somebody's been following me around since the day that I got here. I intentionally matched all of the clues with each person in the game. I really think that Gavin is in trouble. Find find the final destination. Do you have any ideas? Destination is the clue. Some people are just too high strung. 
Okay, so that's Red Hook. You know what? I saw this trailer and I got really excited because I love slasher movies, I love scavenger hunts, and apparently this has a lot of Broadway people involved in it, so this sounds like it's gonna be a fun ride. And that trailer sounded really exciting! You know what? I can't even hold back. This movie is a total piece of fucking garbage! All y'all who've been saying that I've been way too nice on movies lately, get ready, because my gloves are coming off! This movie made me angry! I mean, I normally get angry at bad movies, but this got me really, really fucking angry on so many goddamn levels, it's not even funny. I don't even know where to start! I cannot think of a more ineptly made movie! It's a slasher movie! These aren't that hard to pull off, yet this person apparently has no idea what the horror genre is about, no idea what the comedy genre is about, because if it's trying to be funny, which I think it is, it's not at all. And ah, it's just awful! Now, it's supposed to be the story about this girl who's going off to college, and, you know, she's got some weird kind of nondescript phobia, mental problems, that have been caused because, as a child, she witnessed her sister getting killed by the Pine Oak Slasher. Which really, could you come up with a more generic name? Basically, she was being watched by her sister. You know, the sister put her to bed. Somebody rings the doorbell. There's a cop at the door saying, Hello, have you locked the doors? The Pine Oak Slasher is on the loose. But da 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 The policeman's really the slasher! Oh my god! Now really, I'm just going to stop here for a moment because there was no reason to introduce the Pine Oak Slasher here because this character never comes back again. It could have just been some random attack. It needs to add a backstory because now I'm more interested in the Pine Oak Slasher. I'm like, what's his M.O.? Who's he targeting? How long has this been going on? Well, as far as what he's targeting, I don't know. But apparently, based on what you see in this scene, he's killing people who have really bad wood paneling on the walls in their home. But the kid comes downstairs, sees her sister being attacked by this maniac, and does nothing, just kind of turns around and goes back upstairs. The sister gets dragged out onto the lawn, and she gets stabbed to death in the grass. Oh, I'm sorry, that's really not true. The grass gets stabbed next to her. It's really obvious that this knife is coming nowhere near this actress's body. And then, even worse, when they finally pull away and you can see, like, they show her torso, there's no holes in the sweater at all. There's no tears. It's still pristine. It's just red. I hate that. Hate that. Lazy filmmaking. But meanwhile, the little girl's upstairs in the window just watching, still continuing to do nothing. Not calling for help, even though the phone is really right next to her, not doing anything. And even though she does nothing, somehow the police arrived and they shoot the guy dead and... This has led to the main character, Jenny's vague, unspecified mental problems, because apparently she's afraid of going outside now, which they do nothing to confirm or support. They bring it up when they need to bring it up and then forget about it other times. It's just dumb. Like I said, we're arriving now, seeing this girl going to college. Now, first of all, here's another pet peeve. The movie's been on for 30 seconds and I'm already angry. They, my problem here was the difference in casting between the child and the, uh, uh, the grown-up character. No, I know this is difficult. It's difficult to find kids that look like your actress, but they didn't even try here. This girl, when she grew up, looked like she got a nose job in the wrong direction, like her nose grew exponentially inside with the rest of, in size with the rest of her body. And plus, when she grew up, she looks like Lucas Haas in drag, you know, from Witness. Yeah, it's like the old gangly and big ears and elf face and... Plus, she seems to have developed fetal alcohol syndrome because her eyes are so wide set apart, they're pretty much on the sides of her head. I'm not saying that this, I'm making this sound unattractive, and it's really not that unattractive, but it just was such a shocking difference from the little girl that you see at the beginning that I was irritated. This movie got off on the wrong foot with me, so I'm bristling in anything at this point. Okay, the opening credits haven't even rolled yet, and when they do, I get even more pissed off, because they're showing her arriving in Manhattan, and she's riding around town in a taxi. I don't know where the fuck she was going, but the taxi bill must have been like $17,000, because she's the all over fucking town. They show her passing all these landmarks, and, you know, major traction sites, things that are really recognizable, things that everybody knows, even if you're not in town, 
and things that are nowhere remotely near each other. It would have taken nine hours to do this route. Especially if it was rush hour, then it would be 12 hours. Now she's in Columbus Circle, then she's in Times Square, then she's at Lincoln Center going north on the street. The next shot, she's in the Garment District, going, which is in the south, going in the completely opposite different direction. And she's at Grand Central, she's at Grant's Tomb, she's in Central Park, she's all over the fucking place. So clearly, whoever picked her up at the airport, knew that she was a tourist, said, oh my gosh, I have Lucas Haas in the cab, let's keep him in as long as possible. But apparently, the reason why we have this really long montage of her arriving in New York is that you have a chance to enjoy all of the opening music. Oh God, I'm stealing this from Kelly from Night of the from uh, Kelly from Night of Living podcast because when he reviewed this movie, he called this music that keeps popping up relentlessly throughout the film mid '90s style Dawson's Creek chick music, which is yeah, that's exactly it. It doesn't fit the tone of the movie at all, and clearly someone's just trying to sell their cabaret CD, which is exactly what's happening. But I'll come back to that later. So yeah, after about this five minute montage. With this wailing, I'm in love with you and this is the city. I'm free and we're going to be a woman at last. I'm just making that up, but that's the kind of shit you're dealt with. Finally, she gets out of the cab and I'm like, oh, thank the Lord. And like most slasher movies, everybody she meets at college is a complete tool. But the thing is, they're not your usual complete tools because I'm not sure if this these characters are supposed to be funny or not, or if they're just badly written or both. I mean, they're all generic. I don't know anybody's names except for her roommate, Angela. Oh, I'm sorry, it's Angela, because she's a theater major, so that's all she talks about. And you know she's a theater major, a musical theater major, because she's singing all the time. And you know what she's singing? More of the goddamn songs of the fucking soundtrack. Anyway, this is supposed to be a slasher movie, Eventually, we're introduced to this concept of the scavenger hunt that the RA is having for the hall for people to get to know each other, which makes no sense because of the scavenger hunt. Scavenger hunt, you split up, but whatever, not the point. I'm excited. I like scavenger hunts. I like slasher movies. These things, these two things should be going together. However, we never get to the goddamn slasher movie for like another 45 minutes. Instead, we're treated to all this angst. I'm afraid to go outside. I'm afraid if I go outside, I'm going to die. Except you're always outside. This is a really weird scene where she's standing by the door, by the door, I'm looking at the window. And I'm just thinking she's looking at the window. And the uh, princess bimbo ho character comes by and she's like, what, are you afraid to go outside? And her boy, Jocko boyfriend's like, oh, what a lunatic. I'm like, why on earth would you say that? It looks like she's just looking outside. I realize this is a vaguely defined social phobia that we're trying to introduce here, but I don't know how you would have spot that from the back, but whatever, whatever. And from here on in, we realize all these other characters are going to be a complete waste of time. Until she meets her boyfriend character. Oh, he's so sweet, and he's so sensitive, and he understands her problems and her fears because he lost his boyfriend in 9-11. Uh, his, his boyfriend. His brother in 9-11. He might have lost his boyfriend, too. I don't know. But instead of going right into the scavenger hunt or anything interesting, we're treated to excruciating dating scenes. Excruciating. And nonsensical. I mean, they had their first date together, and the only thing you see of the date is them going to a deli. They're in the deli for about 30 seconds, which, by the way, has like 25 people in it, and, it's, and somebody comes in with a gun and holds the place up, and people get shot, and they die. No, not the annoying dating couple, just some deli customers, unfortunately. You know, like, happens in New York all the time. I mean, I can't go outside without seeing somebody get shot. I just went to the CVS now to pick up a prescription, and there was a woman getting gang-raped in the first aid aisle, and, you know, I had to step around her. It was really awkward. It tied up the lines trying to get out. Anyway, there's more awkward dating, and, you know, this, this R.A. keeps pushing this scavenger hunt, which nobody's signing up for. And I'm like, somebody signed up for the fucking scavenger hunt, that's when the movie's gonna start! Eventually, he bribes everybody with, um, white stripes tickets, and ooh, they jump like, like it's crack. 
Jump it like it's crack. But is it starting it? No, because you have to have more angsty dating scenes where her and her boyfriend look at each other with sensitive eyes. And she's like, do you really want to go on the scavenger hunt? He's like, I'll go on the scavenger hunt, but I only want to do it with you. And she's like, oh, you're so understanding and sensitive. Oh, my gosh. Let's do it. I mean, the scavenger hunt. Yeah, because if you think you're getting sex in this movie, you're not getting any. All this is underscored with more of that Dawson's Creek music. We just met two days ago, but I love you like it's forever. I want you to go on the hunt with me, and I'm gonna give you lots of pleasure. Shut up! Start the fucking movie! Finally, it's the day of the scavenger hunt. I'm like, now it's gonna get interesting. No, now it gets confusing because this scavenger hunt makes no sense. On paper it does. They have 12 hours to solve 12 clues. It's going to take them all around the city, the fi all five boroughs allegedly, and finally lead to one final destination. They have to get there before the clock runs out, and if they do, they get the tickets. Sounds simple enough? Okay, because it's the last time anything's going to sound simple. Because now they're all broken up into teams of two, but now all the clues have been individually tailored to each individual character. And their likes and their needs and, and, and habits and stuff, which makes no sense because they're all freshmen and they've been there a week. And no one's going to know this stuff yet, regardless. They'll be getting the clues for the scavenger hunt via text message because that's so modern and everything. You know, the RA Tim tells him, yes, you're going to be getting text messages from my code name, Red Hook. And when you find the items, you have to take a picture of them and send them back to me. And then you'll get your next clue from Red Hook. And now we all split up to go on our merry ways. But before we split up, we're treated to more montages of major landmarks of New York City. Interspersed with the places that they're going to be going on the scavenger hunt. This is something that really annoys me with this film too. If I'm watching a scavenger hunt movie, I want to be able to play along at home. However, this movie doesn't know what it's, who it's for or what its audience is because it seems to be catering to people in New York. Because all the places that they pick are places only people in New York would know about. Like the, the duplex or, or the rambles or, or just Hell's Gate, things like that. Tourists aren't going to know this stuff. If you live out of town, you're not going to know this stuff, so you're not going to figure out the clues. So if you're not from town, you can't play along because there's nowhere you're going to know the answer. But if you're from in town, they've made the answer so easy, you don't want to play along. So fuck you! However, if you're playing along at home, they already they show you all the locations before you get the clues. So you already know where they're going, so you're always, 12 steps ahead. you're always 10 steps ahead of these fucking moron characters. And then when you get to these places, it's not those places. For instance, Angela. You know, the theater major. She gets sent to the duplex. Now, the duplex is a famous cabaret club uh, down in the village. It, it's a great place to hang out, and they have fantastic margaritas. But that's not the point right now. She has to go during the day, and her clue is some song. She finds the song. She has to get a videotape of her singing the song. So we have to get listen to this bitch sing some more. Okay, as if this wasn't obnoxious and annoying enough as it is. I recognize that they're in the upstairs bar of the duplex. However, there's no piano in the upstairs bar of the duplex. Those of you sitting at home are going, who the fuck cares? I care. The team with the bimbo hoe, they have to go to the Rambles and find a used condom. Now, if you don't live in New York City, you might not know that the Rambles is an infamous, infamous gay cruising spot in Central Park. That back in the 70s and 80s was a fuckfest all the time. So the fact that you're going in there to be sending kids in there to find a used condom to pick up and take a picture of, it's just gross. And even from the slasher standpoint, you're trying to kill these people or give them hepatitis C. Whatever. Anyway, we're just loaded with more bullshit upon bullshit upon bullshit, and eventually, after an hour and ten minutes, the killing start. And they're all off screen. And all believability, whatever believability this movie had left, goes right out the fucking window. Because apparently, you can murder people in totally public places, brutally, with blood everywhere, and no one will notice. 
and no one will find the bodies. And apparently, this person is moving these bodies. You know, he's hauling corpses all around Manhattan, midtown Manhattan, in the middle of the day, and nobody's noticing. This one girl, Angela, she gets killed at the drama bookshop, in front of the drama bookshop, and they show it like it's deserted. This is on a major street. No matter what time it is, there's gonna be 9,000 people on that street. Fuck you! You think I'm stupid! Anyway, these you know, eventually they start to figure out that, you know, Tim's no longer sending in the text messages that something wrong is going on, and they figure out the other people are being killed, and the thing, who the fuck cares at this point? It's such bullshit, and it's one of these movies where everybody dies because of this one girl, Jenny. You know, the killer doesn't really want to kill anybody, he wants her, but kills everybody else anyway, and I hate these kind of movies, because these other kids didn't do anything wrong, and plus, to make it worse, all the other ones are like, you know, we really should call the police, we really should do something, and she's the one going, no, we can't, so she got everybody killed. Fuck you, bitch. Fuck you and your fucking Lucas Haas face. And come on, throughout the whole goddamn movie, these people are walking around in Manhattan going, I can't get a signal. Does anybody have a signal? I can't get a signal. You're in fucking Manhattan! How can you not get a signal? You're not in the woods! You're not even on Staten Island, for God's sake, but goddamn it! You can get a signal underground now! As far as these characters go, they're horrible! Horrible people! All these girls are bitches! In a weird kind of way, horribly active, and all the guys are pussy whipped. Completely pussy whipped. I don't even know anybody's names. I did enjoy the predatory lesbian though, but I love predatory lesbians, but that's not the point. The one Indian character. There's one Indian character among the guys. The first time you meet him, he's wearing a t-shirt that says, No worry, brown curry. As if you could, in case you didn't catch the fact that he was Indian, you get no hurry, brown curry. Fuck you! Who the fuck did you make this movie for? Did you make this movie for someone who's not even not seen a horror movie before, but ever seen a movie? Because there's no fucking coherent plot. Oh, by the way, Red Hook, the code name, they finally get the clue that, oh, the final destination is in the clue, which means that's Red Hook. And if you live in New York, you know, that's a section of Brooklyn, which I knew at the beginning when I watched the movie, I'm like, Brooklyn? Then at the end when it was Brooklyn, I'm like, okay, it's Brooklyn. But then they wind up at some specific place, like some weird alley behind a bar. I'm like, how did you get there? How did you get that from Red Hook? It's a huge area. Fuck you! Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you! And Terrence Mann is in this movie. Terrence Mann is a Broadway legend. You know, he was the original Rum Tum Tugger in Cats. He was the original Javert in Les Miserables, the American version. He was, for genre fans, he was in all the Critters movies. He was the rock star alien bounty hunter dude. He must needed coke money in this. You know, for soda. Because he's, he's just the cop and you're just useless and uh, fuck this fucking movie. Do not rent this goddamn movie. This movie made me so mad that I told my friend Owen about it. You know, Owen, who eventually is going to come on the show and talk about Carrie and Buffy and all that stuff. He goes, Oh, I recognize that girl's name, this director. She's the one who wrote that musical that we went to see at the music festival last year. I'm like, The one with the vampires? Yeah, this bitch wrote a vampire musical called The Cure. Which was like it was out of the 90s. You know, all the vampires wore black leather like they do. Everybody sang like they were in a back alley production of Rent. The band was so loud that he couldn't understand the music. And it was one of the most painful experiences I ever sat through. Because you know what? If you have actors with fangs in their mouth, it's really hard for them to sing. So all of the thoughts from the different of time because we're singing around the thought teeth. So fuck you for The Cure, fuck you for Red Hook, and oh, by the way, do not be fooled, do not be fooled by the cover art for this. The cover art shows the uh, shows um, a woman screaming, I guess, she's got this zombie-looking hand clamped over her mouth, her eyes are all whited out, and she's got a bloody knife held up to her eyes, with unrated slashed across her forehead. Nothing like this remotely happens. This is such generic bullshit, nothing to do with the movie at all, let's buy this clip art 
DVD cover crap. You can stick this movie up your ass, everybody who was involved with this. Oh, and by the way, they tried to sell this shit when it came out and did some homework. They did, they did a cabaret show called Broadway Scares. Well, they sold the CV, the CD, and they screened the movie. Fuck you. There's a couple of Broadway people in this, like like Terrence Mann, and a couple of people in very, very small roles. But the thing is, they tried to make it sound like a charity auction because Broadway Cares is one of the leading AIDS organizations. Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS. And, you know, they have fundraisers like Broadway Bears, which is a uh, Broadway, uh, which is a, is a burlesque show, strip show. You might have been fooled into thinking you were giving the money to AIDS. Instead, you get slapped with a fucking CD of this crappy mid-90s Dawson's Creek's angsty chick shit music. Oh my God, I think I popped a blood vessel in my brain. (sighs) Yeah, Red Hook's crap. Move along. Thank you. Nothing to see here. Some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com, bitches!